Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. Okay, so I'm excited to continue this series on, on soteriology. I have to first share a story with you. I was, I stay up pretty late. I, I've really tried to change that, but I'm just, I don't know. How many of you are late people? Like, keep your hand up if you're going to bed on average between 12 and 1. Anyone? Wonderful. Oh, y'all my people. All right, everyone else, keep it, keep it up. I mean, you have some, the ones who get up early, y'all have some scripture on your side, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know about us late ones, but I was, I was up late. I just couldn't fall asleep, and I just regularly check my emails because we have this opportunity now with our contact system for people to send emails into us, and it doesn't go to our spam folder anymore. David's just been working tirelessly on the website. A lot of people are sending in questions there, and I got this message at, according to my phone here, this came in Thursday morning at 12.30, and I checked this message probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I, I'm, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to take her name out um, just so she can stay anonymous. But I got an email from a, from a young lady. She says, I have been researching the free grace theology lately and have grown very concerned, confused, and weary from different gospel messages and my own sense of defeat and lack of assurance. In my research, I came across your YouTube video about the free grace theology. Now, let me tell you how incredible that is on itself. Our channel doesn't even have a thousand subscribers. That video that she's talking about has less than 500 views, well less than 500 views. How she came across that on an exact word search, there are so many videos that will show up before that. So I praise the Lord for everyone who is praying for that ministry. It's, look at this. This is amazing. Just your, when you see how this ends here. In my research, I came across your YouTube video on free grace theology and your insistence that these other gospels are not the same. I see that. I'm struggling to understand several things and I fear sleeping in case I die before being totally sure I understand the gospel. Wow. <laughs> if you have some time, I'd like to speak with you and would be grateful to run through several scriptures that have been troubling me. My husband has told me to seek. He leans toward the free grace theology. I know the label is off-putting, but it gives a name to the situation. But he still thinks it's a form of commitment that needs to be made for salvation. I am confused. We are currently not in a church, and my husband is seeking, but is taking time, and he did find one to try locally, but when I saw their gospel message online, it had several steps of works and says that confession publicly is essential. I do not want to go to a church that does not preach the gospel. Do I still submit to my husband? I have no idea. Any, that was her saying that. That was not me saying that. Just want to make sure we're clear. And our, and Kyla, anywhere? I'm just kidding. Anyhow, if you have the time or could direct me, I'd love to get a place of full assurance and then try to at least tell my husband what I have learned or believe and go from there. So here I am. It's one in the morning, and you get an email like that. I had no intention of writing back at that time. I didn't think it would be appropriate, but I went to bed in prayer, and I told the Lord, whatever the time frame is tomorrow, I pray that she's available and that we can have a full discussion about the details of salvation. Well, I got an email from her. I, I wrote her an email at an appropriate time, like 9 o'clock in the morning. And I said, uh, whenever you're free, give me a call. Here's my office number. She sent me an email later on around 3.30, 4 o'clock, and said, hey, I'm, I'm free for a chat. So we got on the phone, and we talked for about an hour or an hour and a half. And what we have found is she, has all, she had all the pieces. Okay, she understood that Christ died for her sins. But she had this really, 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 really heavy influence towards lordship salvation. This is how she grew up. Her parents were Roman Catholics. 
they came down and lived in Holiday, Florida. When they moved down here to Holiday, they actually abandoned the whole thing. They said, their, her parents said, no more. We're not going to do this anymore. And so she did not grow up really in the Roman Catholic Church. But she started asking questions about God and different things like that. So they just found any Baptist church that was available, and they started going to the Baptist church. If you're familiar with Baptist churches, you understand that there's a heavy implication towards you must give up something in order to receive something. They make salvation a transaction at the moment of your commitment instead of what the Bible says, that Jesus paid it all on the cross at that one moment. Okay, that, there's the transaction. Now, you just have to basically say, yes, I believe that. It's taking God at his word, which is what we'll talk about in detail today. By the way, today we're talking about faith, and we're talking about regeneration. And I know the, I try to keep the font as large as I can without being comical and having 80,000 slides. But if you want a copy of these slides, we can get them to you. I think they'd be very beneficial, and I would encourage you to take notes. But anyway, she had this heavy, heavy um, influence about it is a give-and-take thing. Salvation is me giving of all of myself and the Lord temporarily leasing eternal life to me. And then if I keep it up, I still have it. So it's like this holy living type of, type of idea. Well, of course, she found out pretty early on she can't do that. It's impossible. We are sinners. It's who we are. I'm not, in saying that we, I'm not saying that we embrace that and like sin it up. You know what I'm saying? But you have to realize you have a flesh nature dead set against anything godly within you. And what is absolutely criminal, it should be a crime to share the gospel incorrectly with somebody because it mires them in confusion. So what do you think happened? She turned away from it all. She said, if there is no way for me to be able to keep this kind of life, I'm not going to do it at all. I can't do it. I'd be deceiving myself. I think many of y'all have been there before. You have had that thought process of, if I can't do it, then forget it. It's not for me. And so as she's going along this process, she's still learning and teaching, and she's, or she's still being taught, and she's still learning. Even though she's kind of forsaken the idea of eternal life for her, she's like, maybe I can learn and get to the point where God changes my mind for me. Hello, that's called Calvinism. And guess whose study Bible she had? John Piper and John MacArthur. And wait till you see next week. Wait till you see some of the things that John MacArthur has written. He is not teaching the gospel that the Bible teaches. Next week, we're going to talk about justification and sanctification and what that means positionally for the Christian and go through examples. But she was getting study Bibles by men who were taking their theology and cramming the Bible through their theology to get a result. Instead of taking the theology and critically lining it up with the Word of God and seeing, is this what the Bible teaches? And she was living that way for years. Well, she finally recently started to get really concerned about where she was going to go when she died. You, read the, you heard what I just said. She feared sleeping. I mean, that breaks my heart that people are there. It also should peel back the curtain for you and I who have eternal life and how thankful we should be that we understand it and that someone took the time to explain it to us clearly because there are a lot of people who are losing sleep and they're, they're running their bodies into the ground out of fear and anxiety of where am I going to go when I die? I know we all talk to people about soul winning, and we give out tracts, and many of the times we get rejected. But let me tell you, putting a tract in somebody's hand, they're looking to have that question answered, folks. Don't quit because you get persecuted. Keep sharing the gospel. You never know when they're going to read that or when they're going to ponder the things that you said to them. So she ended up looking on YouTube and found our video, and I say praise the Lord for that. Most of that video, I was kind of going to town on the one guy who was talking about turning and asking and confessing. But then when we got into the slides of it and we started going through it verse by verse, he said, you're the first preacher that I've been able to look at and he showed me scripture for his support. That's wonderful. It's also sad. Preachers are trading in the Bible for illustrations. Really powerful stories where you know, it really tugs at the heartstrings, but it's not riding on any scripture. And so as we talked, I, I got to the point where I was explaining to her what Jesus did on the cross. And this is where it clicked for her. I don't know if she got saved on that phone call, but I know she gained assurance. I told her when I was a kid, I got taught 
that Jesus went down into the heart of the earth and he got in his fighting stance, all right, and he, with the devil, and the devil gave him some good hits, and ooh, Jesus was really swooning, you know, ooh, all of a sudden he, he beat him, you know, and he paid for our sins there. I said there's no support for that in the scripture. Zero. Sounds good. You can make a good movie out of it or maybe a Sunday morning sermon and how we and you and I are supposed to duke it out with the devil too, but that's not anywhere in the Bible. I said what actually happened is when Jesus Christ died on that cross, it was after he had proclaimed, it is finished, meaning the wages of sin had been paid by him. He gave up the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that he descended and led captivity captive. He took all the Old Testament saints who were in paradise. He took them out of paradise, and at his resurrection, they came up with him. And the transaction was way done. It was already done. Hello? She was weeping because she understood it finally. It made sense to her that what he did on the cross was final and permanent. I said, so now what God is asking of every single person in the world, he's saying, do you trust me that I did that for you? Will you believe? And many people are dying today in the position of, no, I won't. And they will spend an eternity in hell forever. Yesterday we're dealing with our water heater, going back and forth on stuff. Checking to make sure that the... <laughs> I shut off everybody's water except mine. You know what I'm saying? Jan went in there and, and, and turned the wrench. <laughs> water? No, still water. I'm like, oh my goodness. One of my neighbors has COVID. I'm like, I really hope that this is not <laughs> really hurting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we finally got it. The last one is like, any water? No. We were talking about how important the release valve is on a water heater. If something were to overheat and that water is not connected to your washing machine, whatever, it could really do some damage down there. And later on that night, I am running my hand under the water to make sure that the water's hot. And sure enough, the water gets hot, and I can't help but think about the one time that I dipped my hand in some boiling water on accident, and it hurt my fingers. I mean, have you ever been burned before? It's like a very deep, like little fire answer just running all inside of your fingers. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget when my brother, because he's a little class clown, and hey, you want to be a class clown, you're going to do something silly. We were at summer camp, and he was in the little cooking thing. We were making something. I don't know, but he reached over to be funny and slap one of his friends, and the underside of his arm caught a hot pan, and you could hear it, the little... You know what I'm saying? And I mean, he was not jumping for joy, nor did he go, oh. You know, there was a reaction Folks, hell is not some place where people go to retire and pay for their sins. No, it's where they will be in eternal torment forever. And I praise God for the simplicity and the clarity of the gospel. What it meant for that young lady in North Carolina who is just trying to put the pieces together. She wants to be saved. She has a desire to be saved. Yet no preacher will help her. No one cares enough about her and people like her. It was in that moment when she connected the dots that we were able to share tears together. I was just rejoicing in that I prayed for her that night at 1 o'clock in the morning and we got a chance to talk the next day and it was put together for her. And I knew as I'm going to sleep and praying, Lord, I know exactly what she needs. I know exactly what she needs to hear. These are the scriptures that I can use to support what you have already said. There was no endless study that needed to be involved. There was no deep revelation that needed to be struck upon my mind. It is there in the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but receive everlasting life. Guess what? It's that simple. Well, people are just gliding right over it. Now she needs a church. And I told her, I don't know if she's watching today, I said, you, can, you and your husband can sit down in your jammies, whatever, and watch us online until you find a church. 
They're, they're up there in North Carolina, the Greensboro area. My friend was in Asheville, and he drove on Saturday two hours to Northside Baptist Church there, stayed that Saturday night, went to church on Sunday, and then drove back the rest of the two hours just so he could get clear teaching. The need is out there. And I was, I was talking to her, and I said, you know, we just talked about the word repent because there was some clarification that needed to happen there. I said, we're doing a four-part series on all the details of soteriology, and I would encourage you to watch it. So that's what we're continuing today. If you have a, something to take notes with, I encourage you to do so. But could you first pray for the young lady in North Carolina and for people that have yet to be reached? And then ask yourself if you're willing to go out there and be the person that reaches others. If there's something in your way, if there's something that you have put higher on the chain than soul winning, you need to reassess. Because the time is, we are running out. We only have this life to live. Dr. Arnold just turned 80 years old on Friday. That's cr crazy, you know what I'm saying? And he's going through all this hardship right now with getting better and just trying to get back to full strength. But he still wants to win souls. We should be the same way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we pray for the young lady in North Carolina. Pray, Lord, that she continues to grow and put the word of God first. Pray for her husband and others that have yet to be reached. And I just pray, Lord, that we can learn and then take what we learn and apply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to recap the last two slides from last week. So if you take a look up here. Faith is defined as in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, next week, we'll go into that word justification and sanctification because they're important. But it says here that justification process happens by faith. What does it mean? Faith is just believing. The Greek words are up there, pistis and pistuo. Faith, believe, both in the noun and verb form. Believe and faith, as the Greek shows, are just the verb and noun for a concept that is really no different in English than in Greek. That concept is taking people at their word, trusting what they say is true. Do you see how that is, that, that is in conflict with what people say faith is works? Faith is actually you demonstrating that you believe? That's not what faith is. Is there a faith element to service? Yes, there is. But at no point, even when it's in service, it's not about faith it being something that you show out in a work. Probably the best definition here, I think Dr. Cameron wrote this, but it says, God doesn't need our money, our works, or resolutions, but he would like to be taken at his word. He doesn't like to be made out a liar. God wants to be believed. By the way, this is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's when you die and you reject Christ. You're making God to be a liar, because who is the testimony of the Holy Spirit about? Jesus. And if you die and say, I am, if you die without putting your faith in Christ for the payment of your sin, you're basically saying to God, what Jesus did is not for me. I don't believe it. Were there people in Jesus' day that rejected him? Yes. The whole religious system of Israel was a set against him. He just wants to be believed. And he's made it super easy. He's done all the work. Elements of faith. If you're taking notes, we can start uh, listing out numbers here. Number one, the elements of faith is knowledge. One must be informed before he can have faith. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What I want you to realize here is just a gospel tract accomplishes this whole list that you'll see. It brings people to the point of knowledge. Many people already have an idea of what salvation is, and it's a wrong idea, and they've, they've been in the position of our listener in North Carolina who said, you know what, I can't do it. 
therefore I'm not going to try. Well, the proper education of that is, what does the Bible say about salvation? And teach them that doctrine. But they can't believe on Christ if they don't know what they're believing in. Okay? This is why I reject the idea that um, all you have to do is believe on a name, Jesus. We, we, have, we are in a world today where everybody has information accessible to them. The thief on the cross believed that Jesus was who he said he was, and we know that he believed correctly, and we know that it can't be a work because Jesus says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, and Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in Romans 4, but to him that uh, worketh not, but believeth on him. So I know that thief on the cross fit that criteria. He just believed. And we can put it together through the rest of Scripture specifically what he believed. But this is why your knowledge is important. Because you've got to be able to not only know it, you've got, you got, you got to know it well enough to communicate it, and then you've got to do it clearly. I kind of chuckle at these street preachers that are using big words to people that don't understand the words. You ever been sitting in class somewhere? And you're listening to your teacher and you're going, I know he's speaking English, but I don't understand. <laughs> you ever read any kind of, like Jane Eyre, for example? Goodness. You want to see a paragraph that is one whole sentence with commas and dashes and forget it. You've got to be able to communicate it clearly. And people need to know what the Bible says about salvation. What one must know is called the gospel, the good news, or good story. Now remember, this is how we label the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's good news. Like I told you before, Spectrum knocks on your door, and they have a gospel for you too. You just got to leave your current provider and sign up with them. Specifically, what is the gospel? And, and, and listen, you and I can't assume that everybody knows what that means. Oh, everybody knows what I mean when I say gospel. No, you should clarify it. It's important. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the good news of what? See, it, it categorizes what the good news is. The good news of Christ, for it, that death, burial, and resurrection, is the power of God unto salvation. So if you believe on it, if you believe on this good news, which is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again, there's power in that God gives you salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Where's the work there? Oh, the work is there. And it's done by Jesus. Amen? I would... Mm. Number two, belief. To accept the information as truth. Christ died, that's history. 1 John 5, 9 through 11. This is a wonderful passage, by the way. We all know 1 John 5, 13. But 1 John... I mean, all of 1 John is wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Gary came up here and said he has a favorite scripture. I understand that. It's all of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, at some point, there's scripture that hits in a, in, a, in a spot where you need it. But this right here is very important. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth. Here's the witness. He that believeth on the Son of God, Jesus, hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Do you see where blasphemy of the Holy Spirit comes in now? Do you see essentially what a person is saying when they are saying, I will do my part and Jesus will do his part? Is calling God a liar? These are not my words. This is Scripture speaking of itself. Because he hath not believed the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record. Wonderfully clear. What's the record? That God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. There's nothing there about turning, starting, persevering. It's all gone. Also, the response is on the individual. Do you see that? This is not God working to make you believe that. Here's the record. You believe, you have eternal life. You believe not, you're making God a liar. Why is that important? I'm going to read to you, just very quickly, letter I of the acronym TULIP, which is for Calvinism. 
This is how they have taken all their theological points and they've summed it up into one concise area. We'll go with the first three, too. I'm not going to describe them. But T, total depravity. Man is unable to make any decision of himself. He can't even make a decision to believe. Yeah, that works out in reality. And God deals with men that way, right? He calls Israel horrible, sick, wicked. Then he says in Isaiah chapter 1, and verse 18, Come now, let us reason together in which I've given you no ability. <laughs> That's not proven out. U is unconditional election, which says that God chooses. L is limited atonement, which is, if you can call anyone a heresy of them all, it's this one, that Christ only died for those who would believe. That's not true. 1 John 2, he didn't die for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Um, I guess they didn't see that in their translation. Letter I is where I want you to see something here. Irresistible grace. Irresistible grace is the belief that God brings his elect to salvation through an internal call which they are powerless to resist. The Holy Spirit supplies grace to them and they repent with the understanding of turning and are born again. Calvinists back this doctrine with Romans 9.16, Philippians 2.12-13, and John 6.28-29. What we're about to get into after we finish describing faith here is going to prove that point wrong. Because many people believe a part of salvation is God first working in you and giving you the ability to believe. Then you will, you will respond. In the Calvinist view, all of you who are saved today are saved because God made you saved. God made you believe. Does this scripture prove that out? We should, if it is, there should be enough proof for it. But notice the response here is on the individual. God simply did the work. He made the case. Now he wants you to make a decision on that, on that information. Trust. Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His what? Not his works. His faith is counted for righteousness. Christ died for me. That's salvation. Now a lot of preachers that are good in the Word, and they're Bible-based, and they're just kind of angry at what's out there, they start splitting hairs here. And let me, let me tell you where they start to split the hair. They say, have you believed in head knowledge only? Listen, this is where they are. They say, have you believed that Christ died as a historical fact? You know what that does for people that never had that question before? Causes doubt. Now they're worrying did I believe in head knowledge only? And then, here, now you've got to quantify. Well, how do I know I believed? You'll work. You'll be committed. You'll forsake this world and follow him if you're really saved. I've never heard this phrase with my own ears, but I've heard other people say it. I've never heard it from a pulpit. Some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. That's a heresy to teach. It's not what the Bible says. That's a wonderful example of sounds good, doesn't work. We're not talking about knowing that Christ died historically. You see why knowledge is important? Look, point number one there is knowledge. What did he die for? For your sin. Why is it important that he died for your sin? Because the wages of sin is death and you're getting ready to pay it yourself. You're getting ready to experience hell if you die without believing on Christ. I have yet to meet someone that says, yes, that sounds good, but I will only believe that he died historically, sir. No one has said that. It's not logical. But here comes a pastor that's run out of material and fallen out of love with the word of God and he wants to split hairs and say, they have separated this idea of if you've only believed factually, but you have no works to back it up, you're not saved at all. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what it teaches. This is why the knowledge is important. But when you believe that Christ died for me, what is understood there? That he died for your sins and rose again. That's the problem that you need a solution for. You know what I'm saying? But to him that worketh not, we read that one, but as many as received him, 
To them gave he, you get something, power to become the what? Sons of God. I love how it puts believe and receive in the same verse. Not talking about receiving him into your heart. Even to them that what? Believe on his name. You remember what we saw in 1 John 5? This is the record. Eternal life. And that life is through his Son. He that believeth hath that eternal life. He that believeth not maketh God a liar. That's what the Scripture says. So these are the elements of faith. From where does faith come? Now, here's the, here's the kicker. Where does it come from? Does God place it in you while you're sleeping? And say, this is the day of Warren's salvation. Bloop. And Warren wakes up and says, I believe. God is not a puppet master in that way. Man, created in God's image, even though fallen, is able to believe and to have faith. We exercise it every day. You have a mortgage and you want to refinance. You're believing somebody's claim that you're going to save some money. Maybe you can get some cash back. Okay, If you don't believe that, you're not going to go forward with it. You'd be silly if you did. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? That we're, we're, we're not talking about God asking us to do something in which we're not able to do. <clears throat> People who do not believe in the Savior do believe in many things. What do they believe in? Their self-righteousness. I'm going to figure it out my own way, and that's just that. What are they believing in self? They believe in prayers and merits to the saints. This is to our Catholic listeners and those who have yet to receive Christ because they're stuck in tradition. They do believe that their prayers and their merits and confession are what will save them. They have the ability to believe and trust. They're just putting it in the wrong thing. And we're not talking about putting in the wrong thing. It's going to set you back a million years in hell. No, it's going to set you back. You're going to stay there forever. So we've got to get these things right. They believe in rituals as a means of God's favor. This has stopped since, I don't know, sometime last year. But there was a good six months where there were some people that were convinced if they took a chicken and drained the blood of the chicken and wrapped it in brown deli paper and stuck it in the flower bed by the sign that an evil spirit would come upon all of you that drove into here. Just to make sure they got all the voodoo magic on us, they put one by the mailbox too. This was happening for about three to six months. They're believing that that sacrifice will do something to earn them a favor with God who will judge them. Islam is the same way. One of the hardest things that some Islamic converts that have become Christians, for them to put their minds around was that they were going to have kids for the sole purpose of sacrificing that child for Allah. They couldn't wrap their heads around it. As a matter of fact, the deeper you get into Islamic extremism, the more sacrifice that is involved so that you can get to heaven and get all 72 of your virgins. And there's also a teaching in the Quran that says to get into heaven is walking on a fine sword and God sitting there waiting for you to come across the Bible teaches something completely different and people are believing in something else so you can't say that God gives us the, the ability to believe we're all believing something I've yet to meet a Calvinist that doesn't believe he's elect like, yeah I, God elected me to hell I've yet to meet one you know what I'm saying they're all going to heaven hmm People are believing in themselves as supreme. This is where the atheist stands. They stand in judgment over God. They've already had the trial. He's been conde uh, uh, condemned guilty. And they're going to go live their lives as they please. We talked about this uh, two or three weeks ago when we talked about the different enticements of the world. And one of the prevailing ones right now is hedonism, not just in a sexual way, but just in general. Do anything that pleases you. This is, this is where people are. So they have faith in something. It's not the right thing. The object of saving faith. Now, this is important. 
I remember first learning this teaching because, you know, we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. We're saved by faith. It's faith in something. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can have faith and still go to hell. What? Yeah. If your faith is not placed in the right thing. Jesus. We were out here on Sheldon and Lineball driving over to my father-in-law's house to drop off Kyle. They're working on a beautiful uh, brand new mailbox down here. It's going to look oof, very nice. Custom built. Kyla came home one night after working on it and she said, I, now, I understand why these things are so expensive. <laughs> it's a lot of work and labor. I'm, we're driving over there and there's some guys that are walking around Later found out illegally because I was coming back home and they were all rounded up by a police officer. So I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Probably not a good thing. He was knocking or he was walking up to people's doors of their car and asked them to roll down their window and he gave them a little sliver of a piece of paper. And that piece of paper said, I can do all things through Christ. And it was an addiction-based ministry. Basically like, you know, recovery through addictions or from addictions through the scripture. Kind of like Reformers Unanimous. And I rolled down my window, and I knew we are going to have a conversation. I don't know how long this conversation is going to be, because the light will turn green. I took the ticket from him, and I asked him a question. I said, do you know for sure if you were to die today that you would be in heaven? And he was taken aback. I'm not, this is no judgment on his character. Okay, I'm just saying, this is how he responded. He was like, oh, yes, I know I'm going to heaven. And I followed it up, and I said, what gives you that confidence? What gives you that assurance that you're going to be there? And he gave me the Sunday school answer, which is where a lot of people are that are in church, but they haven't gotten saved. Jesus. And I lovingly looked at him and I said, Jesus what? You see why this is important? Jesus what? He said, well, well I know he died on the cross for my sins, I said, that's wonderful. Have you believed on him? Yes, I have. Okay. Then I followed it up. I said, is there anything that you could do from this point until the day that you die that would change your destination? And he said, yes, of course, if I go back into my addiction. Now listen, one of two things is true in this situation. And I don't know which one is, but I know I got to give the gospel clearly. The first and likely situation is that he never believed. He was just depending on his works the entire time. That's a stronger part of the pie graph. I'd say 75% likely that he never really understood the gospel. It was always a works-based message. The other 25% is that he did understand it at one point. He just lacks any assurance because he's not in clear teaching. I told him, I said, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he promised eternal life. I said, if it's eternal life, then how in the world could we lose it? And he goes, and the light changed. I drove away. Many people would look at that man and say, he's a good man. That's a man that deserves to go to heaven. His faith is in his works. His faith is in his commitment to do something. Our, we are not saved that way. There must be an object of our faith. There is an object that needs to be the right thing. It's Jesus Christ. Amen? Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, yourself included. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's wonderful sermons in Acts. And I encourage you to read them. They're, they're historical, and they really bring it home. Some would say they're so good that God wrote them. He did. What is the end, the result of faith? It's salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that's faith in Jesus, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, the Calvinist Greek technicians say, the it here is faith. God gives you the faith. No, salvation is the gift which is received by faith. 
Not of works, lest any man should boast. Be careful. Be careful with those Greek scholars. The only Greek scholar I trust is the one that almost failed me, and it's Dr. Bob Gilbert. Okay? He's the one that I trust. All right? Because he's got this right. <laughs> Amen. John 6, 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath what? Everlasting life. When I talked to the lady on the phone on Thursday, we tied this shoelace. The knot was tight because she understood that believing on Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection gives me everlasting life right there in that moment. It's complete. That's the end result. There's nothing that you have to do to prove that you really believed. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't support it. This is what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Now, regeneration. If you're taking notes, brand new header, okay? I just told you what the Calvinist believes about regeneration. I'll read it to you again. Irresistible grace is the belief that God brings his elect to salvation through an eternal call, which they are powerless to resist. Is there anything in Scripture that teaches differently? Stephen, a deacon, his first message. He's excited. He's prepared. His audience, the entire council of Jerusalem. Ooh, very exciting. He begins this message. It gets pretty hot and heavy pretty quickly. He even says, you resist the Holy Ghost. Oh, and that's where he messed up. Because Stephen didn't know that people can't resist the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's not what's taught there. Paul said he was a Pharisee touching the law. He was of the tribe that was able to teach the word of God. And he still missed it. What are they missing? They are resisting the Holy Ghost, in which Calvinism says you're powerless to resist. One of these things is not like the other. You understand what I'm saying? These things are not adding up. It must be my translation. So you go get a MacArthur Study Bible where they have a note in there that teaches contrary to what the Scripture says. Dangerous! Dangerous. We should be able to read the Scripture clearly and it makes sense without some grand explaining. And by the way, some, some may say, well, isn't that what you're doing? No, I'm just pointing out the case. And this, you, you have to make a decision on it. So regeneration. It's a new birth. When does it happen? What is it not? What is it? Let's look. John 3, 3 through 7, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he answer the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Ouch! Someone's missing the point. He's thinking, i got to do this again? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit. Can anyone tell me here where this water means baptism? doesn't. So many people think it does. We know from the context of the verse before, what happened when your mama had you? Woo! Some things got spilt. In fact, when the water breaks, you go. You're not like, oh, cool. No. We know she's, he's talking about here, be born physically. Raise your hand if you're born physically. Anyone here? Anyone here born physically? All right, let's all participate. If you don't think you're born physically, we need to... Maybe we shouldn't have a conversation. I don't know. <laughs> I'm joking. I kid. I kid. Be born of water physically and of the Spirit. Now, hello, what is this? What is this? He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Also, this is, there's the point. Flesh is flesh. We know that is describing born of water. He would not say that which is born of baptismal immersion is the same as flesh being flesh. It doesn't make sense. But here comes the Baptist doctrine being shoved in to the Bible. It must mean that. No, in fact, it does not. Jesus is actually a pretty good teacher. I would say the best. He does a wonderful job explaining what he means here. And that which is, whoops, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. There was enough expectation on Nicodemus to already know these things. In fact, Jesus says something kind of mean. We know it's not mean. He's just trying to make the point. Art thou a master of Israel and you don't know these things? <sighs> Ouch. That's when you get your homework back and you say, did you do the assignment? <laughs> 
1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What's the corruptible seed? This. This body. Why do we want to make this last forever? You know what I'm saying? We already got problems. Last time I went to get my oil change, they're like, you're due for all this stuff. I'm like, nope, can't afford it. Guess what? There's some things coming up on this body. Mileage-wise, I'm going to have to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? It's corruptible. This is going in the ground, and it's not going to grow into something different. And we're going to go back into the thing that we're made, dust of dust. So you need to have a second birth. Born of incorruptible. Woo, I like that. I want that. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. We know that this flesh here is created of God, but I'm not born of God from my flesh. I've got to believe, and then I have a new birth, which fits the criteria of 1 John 3, 9. And I can neglect by living in my flesh, but the new nature that lives in me, it cannot sin. Why? It has no sin nature. This is what we mean when we say regeneration. This is what the Calvinist says happens and you can't resist it. It's like it happens to you and you're like, wow, I was chosen. But no one has that kind of experience. 1 John 5.18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. What regeneration is not? Taking notes here. Number one, it is not reformation. One could cease all sin, and yet this is not regeneration. Now, I was always wondering, because I didn't make this PowerPoint, I'm like, what is this guy holding? Does he have a green finger? And then I, I realized it last night, I was like, it's a leaf. It's turning out. This is the idea that you, oh, we turn. And I started to really like this picture. You know what's sad about this picture? I know it's a little funny thing. Look who's being told. Little innocent kid that doesn't know any better is being told by Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and heads of churches to turn from their sin. That's not what regeneration is. Where was that the case at all in the scriptures we just read? Nowhere. It is not conversion. Conversion means literally turned around. Sometimes saved people need to be turned around. Cross-reference Luke 22, 31 and 32. But regeneration is not a proof in that you've started something and turned around from it fully. That's, that's not what's being made here. Regeneration happens at the moment that you believe. And there's a great proof text for it, and we'll see it in a moment. It's not confirmation, a doctrine of some liturgical churches that children 12 or 13 years old receive the Holy Spirit when they are anointed with oil by a priest. This is false. In fact, why is this being taught? It's a part of a religious system. Why is it 12 or 13? Listen, I know plenty of 10-year-olds that don't do right, <laughs> and they know it. My poor nephew Micah is like, I'm 10. I don't mean you, Micah. <laughs> but why, why is it 12 or 13? And where, where's the power in the oil? And why didn't Jesus mention it? Is it because it's not required? Hmm. It's not water baptism. Obedience to this command, which it is a command to get baptized, this command of Christ gives one a good conscience towards God, as it says in 1 Peter 3, 21, part B. But there's no saving power in it. I heard Jim Scudder, Pastor Scudder, say one time, I've been in all sorts of water around the world and I've yet to find one that is pure enough to wash away my sin. And it is true. You know, why, you know, what, you know how baptism becomes a wonderful event? Because you get to bring your lost loved ones, you get to bring the community of the church, and you get to stand in that water that's just as filthy as you are and say, this is a demonstration of what I have believed. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised to walk again in newness of life. What does that mean? I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. And that's all I'll ever need. And now I have this ability to live a new life. That's exciting. Is it not? It's wonderful. But it's not regeneration. You don't have to get water baptized in order to be saved. I've seen ministries that have a tub of water right where the preacher is. 
And even though they may not believe that baptism saves, you're sending a message. Well, you believe, why not get baptized? Well, that's what the Ethiopian eunuch did, don't you know? Yeah, but he believed first. And a lot of people are thinking, I remember that day when I was on the corner of Hillsborough, Hillsborough and Sheldon, and I got dunked in that tub of water and I was saved. Well, what do you, what, where is the object of your faith? The dunking? Or is it in Jesus? These things are important to understand. Number five, it is not church membership. Church, church means, in the Greek, ekklesia, a called-out assembly, literally. And by joining a local church, it cannot save you. We're not going to get to heaven with our Calvary Community Church ID badges. And some of you say, we have ID badges, and we don't, okay? Can you imagine if you get up there and say, our pastor didn't print the ID? It's not church membership. Is this being taught? It is. This is how cults happen. This is how cults happen in which people say, only this group of believers is going to go. Oh, that's not happening. Yes, it is. It is happening. There are still, there are still some churches in Kentucky who are waiting for their preachers to survive a snake bite. They're just dying left and right. It's not church membership. Ecclesia is a called out assembly. That's what we are here. We are a part of the called out assembly, which is the body of Christ. It has nothing to do with regeneration. And it is not taking the Lord's Supper, which is what we're going to do today, and we're, we're about to wrap up. But let me tell you, this right here, this is just juice and a wafer. God is not sitting in heaven today going, it is the first Sunday of the month at Calvary Community Church, and I will now take the roll call for whose eternal life will last another 30 days. Tom is here. Louis is here. Ooh, Michael is not here. Mm -mm -mm. You better not die this month. Communion is remembrance for what he did. And that's the support that's up here. The taking of the bread and the cup is this, in this memorial service, cannot take away sin. What regeneration is? It is the new birth. As it says there, uh, it's hard to see, but you must be born again, John 3, 7. Regeneration is a subject which uh, lies at the very basis of salvation. Sorry, I'm not able to read that that well. Why is regeneration necessary? Because flesh cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. This is why at the rapture we're going to get new bodies. This is why those who have died before the rapture, like beloved Dr. Hank Lindstrom, is going to get his new body first. And this is going to be a body that's not like this one. Okay, It's going to have a million miles. I mean, that, that's even not enough. It's eternal. You need to be regenerated. You need to have a new birth. It is, uh, excuse me, regeneration is necessary because all men have sinned. It doesn't matter if you're a criminal or an atheist or a Christian or a minister. All have sinned. And if we were depending on ourselves to get there, we're going to be judged according to the wages of sin, which is what? Death. So God gives us a new birth. He gives it to us the moment that we believe. Very quickly, because I don't think this scripture is there. Look in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, page 1250. As you're doing that, we just quoted Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. And follow the bouncing ball of the order. I don't mean that sarcastically. I'm just saying, follow the, the steps here. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. They trusted after. So what happened first here? They heard. They trusted. That trust is quantified, or it's, it's categorized, the gospel of salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, you were what? Sealed. Now look. That's Scripture. This says, the Holy Spirit supplies grace to them until they repent and are born again. It is an irresistible call. Yet, Ephesians 1.13 says, also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Do you know what this is? It's wrong. It's wrong. Does that mean I hate the person that wrote it? No. But this is a lie. Scripture teaches different. It teaches differently. It says that you believe first, and then you're sealed. 
You become born again in that moment after you believe. Why is regeneration necessary? Because God and heaven is holy. 1 Peter 1, 16, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. How does regeneration happen? God does it. Now, I'm not, that does not mean that God does it first. It is in response to your faith in Christ. First, John 1, 12 through 13, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That happens in the moment that you believe. Man can only believe and receive. That's all that man can do, is take God at his word, believe on him, which is the same as to receive him, and then God does the regeneration right there. It's not the regeneration first, and then you believe. Do you see the order and why it's important? Okay, we all love this slide, and so we will stop there. Okay? Very good. Yes, yes. People are like, I'm going to take notes on that slide, amen? No, <laughs> All right, take your Bibles, and we're going to go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's turn the lights. Oh, well, leave them on, because we're going to, or leave them off. We'll have prayer here in a moment. First Corinthians chapter 11, it's on page 1222, which is where we'll be. I want you to understand something. The illustration of the wallet is not what saves. It's the message in which it communicates. Because this hand represents you and me, and because we all have sin, and because this hand represents Jesus Christ, we now have a visual of what happens. After that ye heard the word of truth, you were sealed. When you believed on Jesus, that he took all of your sin, paid for it, and rose again from the dead, you receive as a free gift everlasting life. You're now given the righteousness of God, which we'll talk about next week, justification and sanctification. It's not good works, and that's why we say, what we just quote what the Bible says, not of works lest any man should boast. You have to be perfect, and you're not. That's why what Jesus said to Nicodemus is so excuse me, important. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's the object of the believer's faith? Jesus. And then the regeneration happens. See? Lift it off of you. It's already been put on Christ. You now have the righteousness of God in which you stand fully justified and now the process of sanctification happens here, but it's already completed. And we'll talk about that next week. But if you're here today and you're depending on some type of effort that you have to keep up to be saved, your object of faith is yourself. And that is a dangerous place to die. And you don't know when you're going to die. I don't mean to speak harshly or rudely. I speak boldly and confidently for two reasons. Number one, it's the word of God. It's not my word. He's going to have to back it up. If he's wrong, that's on him. I don't even like saying that. But it's true. The second thing is, you could die today and spend an eternity in hell. And I'm not going to let the, the time that I have with you be wasted by some story in Hartpool that means nothing. What needs to be done today, for those of you who are still trusting in yourself, the object of your faith is your works. You need to have a change of mind and believe on Christ. And let me tell you how easy that is. He did all the work. For our listener there in North Carolina, the peace is connected when she understood it was already paid. And here you are today, maybe trying to live a life that's worthy. It's not going to be enough. It won't be enough. Maybe you came today simply to partake of this, just in case. There's no just in case. You either believe on Christ that he paid for your sin, or you don't. And I plead with you, please do that right now. Usually I do heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody's looking around. The reason why I do that is not because we're all ashamed, but it's to give you a private moment to believe on him. That moment of you raising your hand, it, that's not the object of your faith. I raised my hand at Calvary. Do you see how that's not believing on Jesus? The reason why we ask for a hand raise is just so I can pray. And you know what? So we can rejoice. Amen. I love it. 
when I'm in a service and the invitation is given and I hear, God bless you. You know what that means? Somebody got saved. <laughs> That's wonderful. And we should rejoice in that. So before we take communion, we are going to have a head bowed and eyes closed. I'd like you to do that now, please. And if you have believed on Jesus for the first time today, maybe you've been trusting in yourself or some form of work that you've been doing, I want to encourage you to change your mind and believe that Jesus paid it all, and it being your sin. He did come back from the dead just like he said he would. And the offer of eternal life is available to you right now. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.